0: The views expressed in this program are those of the participants, and do not necessarily reflect the views of 94.9 CHRW.
1: Testing, one, two, three, four. Testing, one, two...
2: Hello? Hello? Can anybody hear me? Uh, Nice to talk to you, young man. Who's that? This is Alice McNeil in The Vagabond Lady. My gosh, it's Alice. Uh, Please stay right where you are. I gotta go tell the skipper. Now, Now, don't go away, please.
0: Hey, Skipper. What happened to your plane? Or- no, 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 Skipper. It's working. It's working. What's working?
2: The radio. I fixed it. I just talked to that lady flyer. You what? Honest, I'm not dreaming or anything. And I figure you better do the talking because I don't want to cause any more trouble. I want everything to work out just right.
1: Good morning, London. It's Thursday, October 30th, 2014. I'm Bob Metz. And I'm Robert Vaughn, And this is Just Right on CHRW 94.9 FM, where we'll be with you from now till noon.
3: No, no, not right wing. (laughs) Just right.
1: Fade into color, color into black and white. Under the bedclothes, everything will be alright.
3: Welcome to the show today. We're going to talk about a number of very interesting issues, including London's election, municipally. and um, about an interesting one, eh? Oh, wow, was it ever. And um, Russell Brands, uh, Russell Brands, I don't know what you could call it, a brand of false news, because he has a, a station called True News and it's anything but. Mm-hmm. And uh, Bob, what are you up to today? Well, I'm going to be talking about a couple of issues, Robert. I'm going to be talking about copyright,
1: or the copy just right at the end <laughs> of the show, and also talking about the election myself after you, after I hear your comments. And uh, I think I would title it Change, Please, <laughs> oh. <laughs> you know, because it's all about change, apparently, what they're saying. But I've been doing the rounds on a number of the, the local radio stations commenting on the results of the election. And um, interesting what some people are bringing up. That's one of the things I want to talk about. And, of course, we're at that time of year again where CHRW is doing its annual fund r- fund drive. This is the 33rd year, and it's funding drive 33, and we're encouraging our listeners to contribute to CHRW. And you can do so by calling the station at 519-661-3600, and you'll be speaking to our new radio operator and spoken word director since Ed von Adderkast left us many weeks ago, and that's Philip Benmore. Welcome aboard, Philip, and he'll be the fellow answering the phone when you call and taking your pledge. You know, I've been we, I've been doing it. We've been doing just right here at the station for, what, eight years, a little over eight years, yes. and before that, I was coming here doing left, right, and center with Jim Chapman for another two or three years, and I get a lot of calls Personally, at home, and, and when I'm out in the street, I hear people talk, they love the show. And if you really love the show, you know, that's a good reason if you want to see it go. I mean, CHRW has been so accommodating to us and letting us get away with our outrageous points of view here week <laughs> after week. and. I was thinking, you know, if somebody just contributed $100, for example, and by the way, anything $20 or over, you get a, an official tax credit for it. It'll be mailed to you, and you actually get a tax receipt for that. This is our 374th broadcast of the show. Amazing. And, and if you gave a $100 donation, you'd end up getting it each broadcast for like a cheap 27 cents each broadcast, right? <laughs> <laughs> I worked it out before I came in. So I think it's a deal. Consider it. Give us a call. That's 519-661-3600. Or you can email, or, or sorry, check out online, uh, chrwradio.ca slash donate, where you can also make your donations. If you happen to be listening to the show when it's not live, when it's uh, when you're hearing our archive copy,
3: you can always do that at that time as well. Robert, you care to kick off the commentaries? Well, yeah, I'm going to talk about the election, and of course if I uh, say something that's... Um That you want to jump in on, Bob, please do, because this was a quite a controversial election. Oh, sure was. Uh, One for the record books. It's not the first election, in my experience at least, to see an incumbent councillor defeated, because that's happened before, even even in the last election. Mm -hmm. But it's unique for the number of councillors shown the door. And I agree with most pundits' views that the trouncing, given Bud Polhill, Stephen Orser, Denise Brown, Sandy White, and Paul Van Meerbergen, was due primarily to their association with disgraced Mayor Joe Fontana, but I disagree with the same pundits who crafted the refrain that Fontana's council was dysfunctional. It actually worked quite well for those of the Fontana eight, which were the majority of council as uh, stephen orser uh, th- he was the one who by the way uh, from my understanding coined the term Fontana eight uh, to to uh, to label the pact that they had. Um, it also worked quite well for Londoners, who saw tax increases almost frozen for four years. That's right. You know, so you know, where, where's to... this dysfunctional thing coming from? So it was only dysfunctional from the viewpoint of those councillors who were continually on the losing end of most votes. The, these councillors, which included uh, rookie Matt Brown, now mayor, were all from the political left, and is the, as is the nature of socialists, any time they lose, they cry foul. They moan and they whine and claim that council isn't working; it's dysfunctional, simply because they didn't get their way. You were going to say something?
1: Um, I, I was, but I think you already covered the point I was going <laughs> to
3: make. I go, okay, he's already gone by that. Okay, so. yeah. So the free press and even talk. Oh, t- I know what yeah. it was.
1: Hmm. You know, there. Uh, this, I, I think there was a bit of a of a injustice, if I could put, call it that if it's true that, that some of the people, particularly Pole Hill, got kicked out because they were part of the Fontana 8. Oh, definitely, eight. yeah. And, and you know, I, I don't know why that would be, but again, I have to confess that when Joe Fontana first ran, I voted for him based on his 0% tax increase promise. I did too, and, and I did too. And he stuck to it for yep. several years, and that's what I was voting for. It didn't go beyond that. Yep. We had no knowledge of his past or whatever other... You know, scandals would come up afterwards. Mm -hmm. but um, So I think there was a bit of an injustice there because uh, even for Joe Swan, and, you know, I'm not particularly a supporter of Joe Swan, but he did say, look, we got a mandate from the public for a 0% tax increase, and that's what we went with, and that's what they all got smeared with, which is the strangest thing, uh, uh, given that the electorate is supposedly concerned for its own self-interest. Yes, in
3: other words, they got turf because they kept the promise. Almost. (laughs) Um, let's go back to the London Free Press and Talk Radio. They sympathized with the left wing of the council and did their solid best over the four years prior to the election to paint not just Fontana, but any and all councillors who sided with them. They did this not only with, you know, after allegations against Fontana, which, by the way, were proven in court that, that he stole taxpayers money to pay for his son's wedding, but long before. As soon as Fontana's elected on a 0% tax increase, base, boy, the knives started to come out. And um, they won. The free press won. Talk radio won. The pundits won. The socialists won. The left won. One can't dismiss the power of a lie, if it's repeated enough times. You no, know, Joe Fontana had to go, though. Apparently stealing money and giving it to others in your role as a politician is one thing, but <laughs> quite acceptable. But stealing money to pay for your son's wedding is a complete different kettle of fish. Hundreds of millions could have been stolen as taxes to pay for grandiose schemes like the JLC or Performing Arts Center or King's Mills, but take a couple of thousand to pay for your son's wedding, you're branded a thief. Well, you are a thief, (laughs) but my point is that you always were, maybe not legally branded a thief, but certainly morally. The lesson to take away from this election, number of them, election signs serve one primary purpose. To let people know that there's an election going Absolutely. on. Absolutely. Only secondarily and minorly do they have a help a candidate with some name recognition, especially if they haven't been an incumbent. But this benefit quickly diminishes with the number of candidates running. With the high number on the ballot this year, London's Londoners were were awash in signs, which did no candidate any good. But I have to give kudos to Arnie Kaplansky for his unique sign designs, like his buildings. They were the most noticeable for their style and uniqueness. Door knocking. There was something I had to take away from this here. I've always said that um, the way to get elected is to knock on every single door in your ward, and if there was no answer, then to write a personal note on your pamphlet that uh, you were sorry to have missed the voter. And I no, believe no, this from got experience. Oh yeah, I, I believe it got me elected to the school board several years ago, and I believe that is how many um, of the complete unknowns in this election were able to defeat veteran politicians. Um, If we dismiss the fact, of course, that they were part of the Fontana 8. Most notable was the loss of Bud Polhill to Michael Van Holst. It has been said that Bud neglected his ward campaigning to help with his son and daughter's campaigns. You know, here's a a takeaway point. An incumbent should never forget that the turnover of voters in any ward due to moving out can be as much as 10% a year. So given that Bud first came to office 26 years ago, most of the people in Ward 1 were not there or had not even been born when he was first elected. You have to take advantage of every election to reacquaint yourself with your constituency, personally, door to door. I don't know that Bud did that, and it hurt him. Van Holtz claimed to have done just that, and taking him at his word, it set him above the rest of the pack. I happened to see one of his Sorry I Missed You posts. Um, it was actually on a post-it note, which he left inside a mailbox. Uh, unfortunately, it was professionally printed. Oh it was dear. A professionally printed, wrote, not rather than handwritten. It lost its effectiveness. It wasn't oh. signed, and the voter knows that when... It could have very well have been left by one of his campaign volunteers rather than the candidate himself. Still, it showed somebody showed up at the door. It does, yeah. yeah. And he got elected. And <laughs> probably knocked Um, the media. Here's another uh, takeaway. The media. For many Londoners, the media is the only point of connection between themselves and any candidate. The local newspaper, in this case London Free Press, is the media of record, as we always kept saying in the show Bob, It's a hard copy archive of everything the publishers want you to know. Note that I didn't say it's a record of everything that's true, or everything that goes on in the city. I know for a fact that the London Free Press completely ignores many events if they don't conform to the hard left point of view. I know for a fact that most so-called journalists on the free press publish only what advances their own left-wing agenda. It's not often that, um, not often what they say, but what they choose to cover, which paints the picture for their readers. Talk radio is generally either centrist or right-of-center in political viewpoints. But their listenership is unfortunately dismally low compared to uh, the paper and t- t- television. Social media is taking a bigger role in getting... The message out there. And again, kudos to Ernan Kaplansky for his ads, which I regularly saw on Facebook. I can't recall any other ad by any other candidate on my Facebook feed. Really? Yeah. So I think Ernan did a great job that way. Unfortunately, he uh, lost Esmola, I'm afraid. So there are other factors at play, obviously. So, But overall, I'm impressed that the voters can actually unseat so many incumbents at once. We've seen it before. With the decimation of the PCs federally under Kim Campbell and also federally with the Bloc Québécois, but for it to happen municipally, that's a rare treat. Um, you know, but I think it's because of the Fontana Eight. All of a sudden, this voting bloc was given a name, Fontana Eight. It became a political party in municipal politics, it was a de facto political party with a de facto leader, Joe Fontana. And as a party... At least that's how it was perceived. As a, you know, right. Of course, it's not a legal party, right. but what's a party? Not, not agreement amongst people to act in the same interest. Precisely. You no, know, I,
1: I think that's a great observation.
3: You know, that was the downfall of those eight councillors. It was not, you know, um, too dissimilar from the uh, Kim Campbell and uh, Lucien Bouchard defeats federally. They were political parties, and even though, for example, people hated Mulroney. So we hate Mulroney, we're going to decimate the PC party. We hate Lucien Bouchard, so we're going to decimate the Bloc Québécois and all of the people who associated with it. We hate Fontana, we're going to get rid of all of the people associated with him. And that's exactly what happened. It's party politics and municipal elections, and I think we were witness to that right here. Now, I personally don't like career politicians. And even though I'm disappointed to see, like you said, Bob, earlier on, a competent councillor like Bud Polehill or Paul Van Meerbergen be retired because of their association with Fontana, I'm glad to see (laughs) people like Stephen Orser join the ranks of the full-time unemployed. (laughs) It remains to be seen, however, how seriously our rookie council takes their responsibilities. Unfortunately, seeing that many of them... um, Have the endorsement of labour. I fear the worst for the London taxpayer. I predict four years of harmonious bloodletting. Four years of cordial tax and spend. Four years of getting along and mega-projects like performing arts centres. It'll be four years of little debate and much pillage of the taxpayers. It'll be a relatively boring council filled with liberal milksops and organised labour toadies. It'll have no lively debate and no soul. Thankfully... I've just moved out of this city. (laughs) Yes, you have. (laughs) And while I could not vote in the past election in London, I wish you all Londoners luck with the next city council because you're going to need it. That's right. So, in keeping with the uh, theme of fundraising, CHRW is well-equipped but we still rely on money from listeners for our day-to-day operation, and this helps maintain our independence from multinational environment-wrecking swine. (laughs) How did this card get in there? And it also allows us to be innovative and daring. We don't have to rely much on commercial sponsors, so (laughs) I picked this card especially. Oh, you did. You can get more info about our funding drive at chwradio.ca forward slash fdrive. Call me at 519-661-3600. Actually, you would be calling Phil in the control booth. And pledge your support to CHRW. And if the lines are busy, please call again. That's
1: right. X marks the spot. Time to take a break.
2: Stop! Luke, listen! Landslide! What do you see? What do you see? I can't understand a word. Sounds like his teeth are loose.
0: Go back. The bridge is out. You were right, Rock. He says his bridge is out.
2: You got to go back. But we just got here. If you don't go back, go forward, but don't just stand there. Why?
0: Because Big Rock is going to hit on that exact spot. Say, how come you know all this? Because,
3: because Look, I... Go!
0: Yes, at that moment, the onrushing boulder bounded high into the air
3: and
2: landed right on the X. Or very near it, anyway. You know something? He was almost right. Thank
0: you. Thank you very much. You know, it's funny, but if we don't succeed in life, we run the risk of failure. It's not pollution that's causing problems in our environment. It's the impurities in the air and in the water. So I say to you, my fellow Majesticans, change is good because change is change.
1: (laughs) Change is good (laughs) because change is change. Uh, That's kind of funny, just like what we hear politicians saying all the time don't succeed in life we run the risk of failure i'd like to touch on a number of issues and side issues that arose from this round of municipal elections um, to offer my own observations on the observations of others i guess on a number of perhaps not directly related points Um, all about change yes certainly in london but little difference Does anyone really have any loose change to spare? (laughs) Or as Andrew Lawton suggested, we better cling to whatever change we have left. (laughs) Now, only one incumbent was defeated in the Toronto election. Only three incumbents survived the election in London. Isn't that an amazing contrast? Yes, it is. And London, the voter turnout was 42.2%, which means 57.8%, considered to be the real majority by many, did not vote. Uh, Matt Brown was saying it was time for a change, that we have to work together, and he said the voters are never wrong, and he's been working with emerging leaders and other groups such as that. Talk about your political parties, Robert. Obviously, the political party issue can get you in as well as get you out. (laughs) I like Phil McLeod's comment, the voters never wrong until they are. Yeah, until they are. Tom McConnell, I noticed uh, from his vantage point there in St. Catharines, was saying that London went left and Niagara went right. So it so was certainly not a, not a single um, pattern across the province, if you look at it that way. Here in London, uh, the Chamber of Commerce's uh, head, Jerry McCartney, was calling for, quote, a collaborative council working in one direction, end quote. And uh, obviously, there's something about the democratic process that continues to elude him, as it seems to elude all Government should be run like a business businessman you know, voting within a democratic institution is both about a majority consensus and about debate. You can't reach a consensus without first having the debate. The majority consensus guarantees that council will work in one direction. In our case, perhaps here in London, politically leftward, irrespective of dissent or disagreement on any particular, uh, you know, council or committee or minority viewpoint. So, that's how you get your moving in one direction. The majority rules. There's no issue of the constant infighting. But what we've been seeing is that even after a vote has been taken, as with the King's Mills deal, when they said no to the, that last $10 million, the conversation continued as though there were no election. That's where I see the dysfunction. John Tory in London, who uh, finally won his mayoralty. Toronto. It, or Sorry, in Toronto, what am I saying? Um, and he said, we're not going to... Not left, not right, but forward. And uh, uh, very interesting commentary. Rob Ford, by the way, our prediction was correct in the past. He did get elected, but not as mayor as we thought it would be at the time, of course, due to his illness. Doug Ford is now talking about running for the PC leadership, saying that the progressive part of that party needs to be more worked on. He wants to work on that. And I'm going, oh, my goodness. Uh, funny, Funny tweet by Paul McKeever. I don't know if you caught it. Toronto has taken John Noblesse o- oblige Tory off of Ontario's and Canada's hands. For those about to loo- be looted, <laughs> we salute you. <laughs> I thought that was funny. And then, of course, he passed on as well a tweet by Andre Maron, Ontario's ombudsman uh, from October 27th, who said, and I quote, God admit I'm keeping an eye on the two most dysfunctional councils in Ontario, London and Greater Sudbury. Let democracy unfold, he writes. Well, democracy
3: is certainly unfolding. <laughs> that was a comment by the ombudsman? Absolutely. That is disgraceful. I thought so. For him to give a political opinion as an ombudsman. I've
1: been saying that about him since day one. He's a politico. He's not, a, not an objective party out there, you know, judging right and wrong and things like that. He's got an agenda of his own, and it's, it, overrides, it overrides a lot of the Democratic agenda, and that's what concerns me, and that's why I say democracy is unfolding, especially with all the talk about forcing Canadians to vote in elections. seems to come up after every election. You never find, even when, even as, as our totals went up this time, they still complain that not enough people are voting. It's not going to change anything. Now, when John Tory said, you know, not left or right, but forward, I I also heard a lot of other people saying things like it's not about left or right or versus right. And I think already that's kind of a bit of a misnomer or or a lie, if you would. Not a white lie, but a red lie. (laughs) Many of the callers on the various talk shows I listened to insisted that left and right or any organized effort behind the winning lefties were not a factor in the vote. So they would deny the argument you just made, Robert although they probably voted against the Fontana 8 for the same <laughs> reason. Um, but those who believe this, I think, are the most vulnerable to the political process. And why they insist that this is the case, um, that would be worth, worth you know talking about on a complete show sometime in the future. I think it originates in the human desire not to be seen as being manipulated by others or by ideologies and political forces that maybe they don't fully understand. Um, I know some people were, like like Andrew Lawton, was accused of, of fear fearmongering just in suggesting our taxes were going to go up probably during this council. And, uh, you know, that's basically the big fear on the part of, uh, of voters, is their taxes. And, of course, their hydro bills aren't going to continue going down or staying the same. They're going to go up. That's a pretty
3: safe prediction to so make, though, so at course. any time.
1: So what makes it fear? Uh, You're just predicting the inevitable consequences of the policies that are being endorsed by the candidates. Uh, And it concerns me that people don't recognize simply the consequences of their votes. They have this pie-in-the-sky hope that just by wishing something, you can make it so. There are simply no political ideas or goals that do not fit into a left-right spectrum somewhere. It's just not possible. All politics is about left and right. But the distinctions are often completely lost when all the candidates, both on the left-wing and right-wing, are essentially on the left certainly from the way that we would be looking at it so uh and the left if you're not sure that's sort of centralized planning and and less choice for the uh, for for the electorate and business you know the public ends up serving city council not city council serving the public i also found myself on commenting on a number of talk shows this week about the issue of 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 forcing citizens of a free nation to vote during elections, even if they know nothing about whom they're voting for, or in the light of knowledge of whom they're voting for, to vote when there was no one that they could conscionably vote for. Um, The idea came out, you know, voting is a responsibility, not a right, I heard a few open-line callers suggest. It's our duty to vote, they said. And I think this idea of duty largely originates from the just not right right wing where the rules and duties override principles and personal responsibility. How can one responsibly vote if you're forced to vote? You know, Is it just about showing up there? Is that all they want you to do? Is that is that a punishment of some sort? Should we punish non-voters or reward voters? That was a question that was being asked by talk show host Tom McConnell just yesterday. And then, of course, you hear um, if you don't vote, you don't have a right to complain. I think that's... <laughs> maybe the weirdest argument I've ever heard to try and get people to vote it's exactly the the reverse I think, if you get bad government it's the people who voted that gave you the bad government, wouldn't they be the ones that don't have the right to complain? Well you got what you voted <laughs> for and and how dare they suggest that those who didn't vote for that bad government are responsible for that government and moreover can't say anything about it, it's, it's outrageous and uh, oh yes and I know Tom asked me why I, th- why I might have thought that Australia, the only still relatively free democracy that forces its citizens to vote, would institute forced voting. And my answer was because I think that all governments are sort of increasingly moving towards the left. And as they do so, they lose touch with the people whom they're governing. In fact, they cease to govern at all and instead begin to rule. And the only way they can claim to have the consent or support of their voters is to force them to go to the polls as has been the case in all totalitarian countries where they have forced votes. Um, You know, it's almost, it's like, to draw a parallel, it's like with Ontario standing out as the only jurisdiction in a democracy where private health care insurance and other private health care options have been banned, as in Cuba and North Korea, you know, being, (laughs) being the ones that we're singled out with. So, too, I think Australia stands out as a democratic jurisdiction where voting is forced among a list of very undemocratic and very unfree countries. Having a right to vote, of course, uh, means having the right not to vote. Having a right always means having the right to say no. Uh, You know, it's it's, it's like saying if you have freedom of religion, it it can only have meaning if you aren't forced to practice a religion. And saying that you have a right to practice the religion of your choice is not freedom of religion. Freedom of religion is freedom from religion. It is secular, non-theocratic. So, consider the implication saying you have a right to vote by forcing you to vote, although you can vote for the candidate of your choice, is a bit like saying you have freedom of religion as long as you attend a church. You don't have to pray or believe in anything religious so long as you attend. What is the purpose in that? Democracy is not about voting. It's about freedom. It's about having rights, and in the end, socialism is not compatible with democracy in the true sense of the term. Socialism erodes personal and economic choice. Freedom and capitalism enhance personal economic choice. And of course, the more voters you have doesn't mean you have more democracy. Experience has always shown that whether 10% vote or 90% vote, the end result is pretty much the same. What we need is more and different candidates, not more voters if we truly want uh, more choices, you know, to vote for in elections, not always against. And I think that would be the secret to getting more voters out, although I don't think It's an answer all in the end, you know, like I I don't think it's going to make a huge, huge difference. But uh, in any case, that's some of my observations. Anything else to add to that, Robert? It's just that
3: we institute a government to protect people, to protect their rights. And when you have a victimless crime, like, for example, not voting. Oh, I didn't go to the polls today. Um, By the way, I didn't vote. I didn't vote because I just moved to another jurisdiction and I didn't know the candidates. Sure. I didn't want to go in there and put my ex next to a person. I didn't know his policies and I didn't have the time to find out. So I didn't vote. Some people out there would fine me for that. Well, who's, the, who's the victim here? It's a misuse of government authority to even suggest that people be forced to vote.
1: Yeah, and it's sad to hear, you know, when when they say, well, you know, our soldiers went overseas, you know, they died for the right to vote. That, that's not what they went
3: over there for. People forget, uh, when people went overseas, whether it's World War One or even World War Two, none of our socialist programs existed. That's right. They didn't die for democracy. What did they die for, Bob? Freedom. Exactly.
1: That was the word. And don't forget that Germany voted its chancellor in. Yeah, they were democratic (laughs) too. So don't tell me it's about the right to vote because that's not what it's about. But people vote with their feet when it comes to the marketplace. And that's one thing we want to encourage people to do here at the station. Call us at 519-661-3600. And, uh, you know... And make sure you make that donation to, to um, uh, CHRW Radio, or you can go online at www.chrwradio.ca slash donate. Either one is great. Remember, $20 uh, qualifies you for a tax receipt. They've also been suggesting you might consider a $33 or a $45 or a $78 <laughs> contribution, <laughs> because apparently CHRW is one of the few radio stations left that still plays music on vinyl. In addition to using tell me they format. don't have a seventy eight player though, um, I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> I have to go, go check that out. But in any case, uh, I guess it's time. Oh, you want maybe want to introduce what's coming up next?
3: Well, um, with the murder recently of Nathan Cirillo, the honor guard in um, Ottawa, um, a British comedian has come out Russell Brand with a oh, video response to that. We're going to hear from that in the uh, next two clips. And uh, when we come back, I'll have something to say about Russell's brand of socialism and absolute nonsense. We'll be back right after this.
2: Today's Trues focuses on events in Ottawa in Canada and the recent violent actions that were, have taken place there. How does this relate to a broader international narrative? Are we being told the truth by conventional media? Let's have a look for some true news. These are two attacks in just two days in Canada. Uh, first of all, two people rammed down uh, in Quebec, two soldiers, one of them died. Uh, the attacker was later killed by police. Now what we're seeing in Ottawa is Parliament in lockdown. A shooter, a gunman opening fire first at the war memorial and then in Parliament So far the only facts we have is that there's been two incidents of violence in a place that you're not used to hearing violence from, so that's really all we know so far. The city is in lockdown and Ottawa, normally not much news comes out of Ottawa. But on the bright side... Some news out of Ottawa. But of course it is a Canadian capital and Canada has been getting involved with the effort to combat the Islamic State group. Oh! (laughs) Just (laughs) throw (laughs) that in. The Islamic State group. Initially we are given the information there's been two acts of violence. Now Islamic State is being mentioned. But at the moment I don't know how that connection has been made. I don't know. I just heard it on the news.
0: My fellow Canadians.
2: What is this standing between flags business? Like Cameron was doing it a little while ago. I don't like leaders standing between flags, like they're sort of be-winged
0: angels of justice. For the second time this week, there has been a brutal and violent attack on our soil. Interesting, on the soil. Today, our thoughts and prayers are with the family and friends of Corporal Nathan Cirillo of the Argyle and Sutherland Highlanders. Corporal Cirillo was killed today, murdered in cold blood. It's quite
2: evocative language that's being used here. This doesn't seem like, it was interesting is this speech, has an agenda. There's an intention behind it. That's not informational language, is it? Because like if you look at Stephen Harper there, and I've been to Canada, they ate him. I don't know how he gets to be leader. It's probably because democracy don't work properly. You can tell that he's leading you somewhere with this, like his uh, use of the militaristic titles, the use of the phrase in cold blood. I mean, that's like an interesting, Like, you don't know what mood people are in when they do a murder. Oh, it's like cold blood. They could have been in a frantic state of febrile passion for all we know. This is an attempt to editorialize and present the information but to help us reach what conclusion, Mr. Harper?
0: As he provided a ceremonial honor guard at Canada's National War Memorial. That sacred place that pays tribute to those who gave their lives so that we can live in a free, democratic and safe society.
2: Yeah, (laughs) I don't know, Steve. I don't know if if the function of the military is for the domestic population to live in a safe and free democratic society. That sounds like a presumption that might need some analysis. It seems like what I think is to preserve the interests of uh, powerful groups of people at the top of society and to prevent any dialogue occurring that could shift that paradigm in any way. But like, fair enough, Steve, you're doing speech, carry on.
0: Likewise, our thoughts and prayers remain also with the family and friends of warrant officer Patrice Vincent, who was killed earlier this week by an ISIL-inspired terrorist.
2: Hold on a minute, you
0: don't know what's inspiring a person. Like that like, that's a that's a massive assumption. Fellow Canadians, in the days to come, we will learn more about the terrorist and any accomplices he may have had. Yeah.
2: Perhaps shut up till then then, maybe.
0: We are also reminded that attacks on our security personnel and on our institutions of governance are by their very nature attacks on our country, on our values, on our society, on us Canadians. It's interesting like that. What he's telling you is
2: how to think. Uh, Oh, what should I think of this act of violence? Well, let there be no doubt there's an attack on our Canadian values and our freedom. That's a very uh, familiar and recognizable type of speech, isn't it? When these things happen, it's an attack on all of us. Is it, is it really? Are those institutions protecting all of us? I know that's what you're saying, but I mean, where's the evidence, Steve? The other important thing is, is that we keep mentioning Islamic State and ISIL. Why is he mentioning that? Because the only, so far all they know is that one fella, they said, was a jihadist sympathiser, and the other person is a newly converted Muslim, or a recent Muslim convert. But also, the guy that's a recent Muslim convert also has mental health issues. If you met a person, and like you're having a cup of tea with them, and, they go, and you go, tell me about yourself, oh, I recently converted to Islam, did you? Yeah, also I've got mental health issues. And then a minute later, they like, starts smashing the plates up. I'd go, is that Islam you're doing that for? Okay, he said he mentally ill a minute ago. Mate, you're mentally ill, stop smashing the plates up. Is this in the Quran, does it say so stuff about smashing the plates up? Are you in ISIL? Right, it's convenient for their argument.
0: Just as it will lead us to strengthen our resolve and redouble our efforts to work with our allies around the world and fight against the terrorist organizations who brutalize those in other countries with the hope of bringing their savagery to our shores.
2: Brutalise other countries, hope of bringing their savagery to our shores. I wonder how people in the Middle East feel about the constant occupation of Western forces supporting industries and corporations over there that benefit from their resources.
0: They will have no safe haven.
2: What's interesting about that is that a lot of what Steve Harper says sounds very reasonable we think, yeah, there's been an attack on an institution, there's been an attack on uh, military personnel that's wrong, that's wrong that, that that's happened but it's what happens to that information, what the, how that information is used that's interesting because a fellow called Justin Bork shot and killed three Canadian mounted police officers in Moncton, New Brunswick and that that was in June and when that happened, no mention of terror was made although the the murders themselves bore the hallmarks of a conservative and conspiratorial anti-state worldview, reminiscent of Norwegian killer Anders Breivik what's interesting is, when a murder like that happens, though which is relatively recent in Canadian history that isn't a useful murder that murder is an attack again on mounted police, institutional figures it's out of nowhere you don't go on the news there and go Right, we've got to watch out for white people that are inspired by an individualistic, materialistic, corporate culture that's nihilistic and selfish and greedy, because that isn't convenient to the objectives of the Canadian government and the Canadian government's allies. They're part of a broader theme, a broader narrative. But what's important is how are these murders used to advance an argument? Let's see what Barack Obama is saying. He's jumping on the bandwagon.
0: And it's... Uh... You know, very important, I think, for us to recognise that um, when it comes to dealing with terrorist activity that uh, Canada and the United States uh, has to be entirely in sync.
2: No, not when it comes to dealing with terrorist activity, when it comes to dealing with our business interests abroad. When it comes to dealing with an accepted narrative of enforcing government power on a domestic population and supporting corporate power abroad. It's important that the USA and Canada and the transnational corporate-led and dominated world speak cohesively. That's why it don't matter if a white geezer kills three mounties, but it does matter if a recent Muslim convert shoots a member of the Canadian services.
3: Welcome back to Just Right. To provide you with quality broadcasting, we need to maintain our existing equipment and embrace new technology that'll add to our programming. Electronics in our on-air booth are on 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, and sometimes they need repairs. Upgrading equipment in our newsroom and on-air studio create better pre-recorded programming such as our news or spoken word shows and make it easier to have bands perform live at the station. All of this relies on your support. So, call Phil at 519-661-3600 and pledge your support to this show. And if the lines are busy, please call again. That was Russell Brand with quite a vitriolic tirade against Stephen Harper. And
1: that was just a part of it. That was less than half
3: of it. You can watch the whole thing online. (laughs) Yeah. I can only say this. The guy's a kook. The guy's a kook. But he's a very eloquent kook that a lot of people share his opinion because of a number of different misconceptions.
1: We discussed him in the past before, and we We, we enjoyed his comedy, but condemned his... (laughs) Strange his socialistic politics. views, yeah.
3: Yeah. Well, he says, all we really know need uh, know so far is that there have been two acts of violence. Well, you know, if all you have to go on is the short news item from the British news that he played at the beginning, then yeah, all Br- Russell Brand knows is that there are two acts of violence. So obviously the link to ISIS would seem dubious to anyone. But the thing is, is that Russell Brand has not done his homework before he composed this uh, video log, blog. At the time of Prime Minister Harper's comments on the event, it was quite clear, as revealed by U.S. media, who the murderer was. It was also known that he was a recent convert to Muslim, and that he was previously Islam. known to the police, and that his social media posts indicated that he had Islamist sympathies. So to ignore such data, or to not do a little more research then of course you might be suspicious about any links to ISIS. However armed with the true news, Mr. Brand, the link to ISIS is inescapable and a logical direction to take given what we know of the murderer, what we know of ISIS, and given the recent call by ISIS for Muslims in Canada to commit acts of violence such as the one that he committed on Parliament Hill. What I find most interesting in Russell Brand's attack on the Prime Minister is his apparent refusal to believe that somebody should suspect a Muslim man who shoots a reservist guarding the war memorial in the back and then running through the halls of Parliament as being religiously motivated. No, no, it's mental illness. It's not his religion. Even though tens of thousands have died since 9-11, specifically for the religion of Islam. The minute I heard... That there was a shooting on Parliament Hill. My very first thought was that the guy's probably a Muslim, acting out the fanatic directive directive of ISIS. First thought, and a first thought in the minds of many. I accept the possibility, of course, that that may not have been the case, but that the man was an Islamist was the most likely explanation of events. Before I knew all the facts, as it turns out, I was correct. As the RCMP later confirmed from a video, of the terrorist, and he is a terrorist made, saying that he was going to commit the act in the name of Allah to protest our foreign policy regarding ISIS. Brand's insensitivity to the gravitas of the situation is quite unbelievable and unforgivable. He talks about how he doesn't like our national leader standing between flags. Give me a break. He's the prime minister of the country addressing the nation on a most serious occasion. And all Brussel Brussels brand can say, it. I don't like it when he stands between the flags. He finds it interesting that Harper would say, quote, on our soil, Unquote. Why? What exactly is wrong with that saying, saying that he's expressing his disbelief that the hundreds or rather the events in lands thousands of miles away in 1500 years in the past have made their way to this country and are being played out <clears throat> on our soil. Perfectly appropriate. Brand says that Harper has an agenda by using evocative language. "Murdered in cold blood" was the phrase Harper used to describe <clears throat> well, somebody murdered in cold blood. Corporal Cyrilla was shot in the back. He never saw his attacker. How else to describe such an act? He was indeed murdered in cold blood. Brand takes exception to this fact to suggest that using such terms hides a bigger agenda. Conspiracies under every seat cushion. Perhaps an agenda to take action to prevent such acts in the future, Mr. Brand? Does Brand think that Harper should do nothing, perhaps? Brand makes the ad hominem attack on Harper by saying that, up in Canada, they hate him. No, Mr. Brand, most Canadians do not hate him. Harper places quite favorably in the polls as an effective leader. And while some may disagree with him on occasion, myself included, to say that Canadians hate him, it's using quite evocative language there, Russell. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Perhaps you too have an agenda, Mr. Brand. Hmm? Brand questions the function of the military being to ensure that we live in a free and democratic and safe society. Well, yeah, that is the function of the military. I know that in anarcho- Of a free society. <laughs> Maybe not of a non-free society. <laughs> true, true. Our military. Yeah. Let me put it that way. Like a gun. Depends who's holding it in that's, hand. That's true. Now, I know that anarcho-communist like Brand... By the way, I'm not using that term um, uh, disparagingly because that's exactly what he is in previous blogs. If you, if you have a look at some of his previous uh, interviews, um, he says that he's not a Democrat. He doesn't believe in democracy. He uh, believes basically in de facto communism, um, a, a stateless society, which was the initial attention of the early communists, of course. Um, as libertarian, anarcho, communist, all interchangeable synonyms for to describe Mr. Brand, And I know that he dislikes the symbols of authority, except his own authority, of course. So to suggest that there might be a legitimate function to the military runs contrary to Mr. Brand's own agenda, his own political agenda of destruction and anarchy. He suggests that there may be an agenda on the part of Mr. Harper to prevent any dialogue which may shift the paradigm of those at the top of society. Well, Mr. Harper hasn't prevented people like yourself, Mr. Brand, from trying to shift the paradigm. You're doing a good job at it. He hasn't prevented people like myself or Bob from speaking our minds on any issue we have broached here on this show. So how exactly, Mr. Brand, is Mr. Harper preventing discussion on this event? Fact is that he hasn't. In fact, I accuse Mr. Brand of being guilty of exactly what he is accusing Mr. Harper of. Russell Brand is using his influence as a successful comedian to try and control the way in which people think about this event by distorting the news, by ignoring key facts, by making ad hominem attacks, and by using evocative language of his own to push his own political agenda of anarchy. Now, Mr. Brand's logoria continues for 15 minutes, believe it or not. We only gave you about, what, seven minutes of it, Bob? Six, seven minutes? And I have to say that we
1: played the sane part, uh, the more lucid part. The other part, I just couldn't bear to put on the air. It was... <laughs> yeah. he, he just started ranting to a point of, oh my goodness. <laughs> that
3: It was highly edited of his own. I mean, I'm not yeah. talking about the cuts to the... Uh, to the news broadcasts, you could see that he highly edited his own words Mm -hmm. and yet it still came out as what I I describe as a logorrhea, a complete diarrhea of the mouth. You know, absolutely everything he says during that 15 minutes can be contested. Absolutely everything. He's being dishonest with the truth and if he were uh, to be honest with his viewers, he should rename his video blog, uh, which, by the way, is called True News because True News... It is anything but that.
1: Fascinating, Robert. You're listening to CHRW, and uh, we're in the middle of our 33rd uh, annual fundraising drive. And, you know, CHRW, in addition to putting just right on the air, is the only station in London that supports almost every style of music imaginable, and plays the music that local artists create, electronic, folk rock, world beat, music, uh, jazz, even I like jazz, and you that you might not think is music, uh, spoken word, music beats, metal blues, and country can all be found on chRw. And because their charts get exported around the world, CHRW is helping promote local artists wherever the music is played on the radio or internet. So give us a call at 519-661-3600 or visit online, chrwradio.ca slash donate. And we'll continue with our 33rd fundraising drive after this break.
3: Right here. Right there. There we go. Now, while less. I'll put this in here like this and that's just about right
2: uh, yeah. uh, this is the girl you were telling me about huh this is the one Cream? Huh. gorgeous isn't she sugar isn't she something else yes yeah, she sure is oh wait 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 the coffee may be too hot it is just right. Perhaps you could uh, steer me in the right direction. Oh, certainly. Oh, thank you. Oh, here we are. Uh,
0: well, I guess I'll be going. Uh, before you go, would you mind if I check the phone? I want everything to be just right. Go right ahead. Thank you.
2: I think I like the red one the best. <laughs> well, believe me, it's not the color that counts. <laughs> now, you take that down uh, shopping in Cocoa Beach and, and get yourself something mod to wear tonight. But why, Master? All I have to do is... Yes, yes, I I know that, but I'd rather you wouldn't. You see, the important thing at Roger's party tonight is the clothes that people will be wearing. It has to be just right.
0: Those are key questions, aren't they?
3: Well, yes, I'd say they were fundamental.
2: I'm pointed in the right direction.
0: I just really want to get it right, you know?
2: Look, we could sit here and posture about the strengths and weaknesses of our cases, but frankly, that's going to bore the hell out of me.
0: Seriously? It could be much lower. It could be much higher. And let's pretend it's just right.
3: Is something wrong?
0: No, 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 no.
2: Really, it's uh, just right. What is? That little um, smudge on your nose. Oh. No, 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 I'll get it. Oh. What did you mean when you said the smudge was just right? Oh, not uh, really the smudge. You.
1: That's how we feel about our listeners as well. It's We're just the smudges, but you're just right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Got to carry on quickly here, Robert. I uh, Just to finish this final quarter on the issue of copyright, or copy just right, if you want to call it that. Uh, I hate to agree with people I normally disagree with, and this is Warren Kinsella's October 13th um, editorial, Material for Nothing and Clips for Free, in which he points out that the media are upset and he points to an obscure change to Canadian copyright law buried in a Conservative government omnibus bill. The proposed change would permit political parties to use material published and broadcast by news organizations for free in their ads. CTV discovered the change, and many in the media are in in a high dungeon about it. Now, you'll recall in the past, we at Freedom Party had the same problem. We created a political ad, put it on YouTube, and CTV complained. But then again, they put it back after we told them we weren't taking it down, and they had no justification for doing so. Now we might understand why this is all going on. Um, Kinsella himself says, having crafted many, many an ad for the Liberal Party, making use of broadcast clips or published reports... I laughed out loud at the professed indignation of CTV and other, others. Both, both know that party operatives of all stripes have made use of media material for political advertising for years. And there's a legal reason to justify the, the proposed change, and that is because there is no copyright in news, which is the same thing I was arguing on a previous show. It's the fourth estate, for heaven's sakes. They're not creative Artists in, this, in the same sense that a person who writes a, a novel or an essay. Uh, the media don't possess copyright over whatever issues from, uh, from Stephen Harper's mouth, nor any other politician. Those statements belong to the person who says them and the public who received them. And he adds, which is in keeping for people who listen to the radio and watch TV, the humble radio or TV spot can deliver more listeners for less money than any other form of advertising. Let's repeat that. The humble radio or TV spot can deliver more listeners than any other form of advertising. Interesting. He says, and he also says that, you know, voters want to see and hear on their own what a politician says. And that's how they make important choices in elections. They don't want the media's analysis and bias. They want the video or audio proof. And that's why this change, while upsetting the media bosses, is good for democracy. And I agree with him on that. What do you think, Robert, on that too? Well, I'm flabbergasted to agree with Warren Kinsella, but there well, you go. Well, uh, you have to agree. Oh, <laughs> y- Wendy, yes, you know he's right. It happened again to us. Uh, uh, by us, I mean Freedom Party during the past election when we got a a letter from the supervising producer of of Rogers Cable, who who literally wrote to us and said, "Please remove the Rogers TV debates uh, from YouTube that we had posted." No permission to post the debates was requested, and I basically wrote him back and I said. Uh, that we don't have to, I you know I, I cited to him you know that um, we're not required to do so, and it's always been our understanding that such postings fall under fair use or fair dealing as it's now called in Canada. I cited him several sections of uh, under fair dealing marginal note research. Basically, they all seem to say that fair dealing for the purpose of criticism um, does not infringe copyright if the following are mentioned: the source. If given in the source, the name of the author in the case of a work, a performer in the case of a performer's performance, a maker in the case of sound recording, or a broadcaster in the case of a communication signal. It's exactly what we do here on the show every week. Sure. You know? And um, political candidate debates are certainly not creative or artistic material, but are an essential record of a necessary public debate. Uh, held to affect the voting outcome of this of this election in every election and uh, of course political parties do not exist to serve a private interest but to serve a public one and I think it's important for political parties to be able to document and justify that they are doing that and which they should archive everything I don't know many other parties besides their own that does and uh, of course in the course of public debate We're also held accountable for the accuracy of our statements, not only about our own position on the issues, but the contrasting positions of the other parties with whom we debate. So I think these are very important changes. It's something I actually have to applaud in the latest legislation. I think this is uh, great, and uh, by the way, you can still watch those debates on YouTube to this very day, just as you can still see the original ad that CTV complained about uh, when they had uh, a filing against uh, YouTube, and then they unfiled it by CTV themselves. So uh, it concerns me. You gotta be careful when people are using copyright as censorship or as a means of cutting one political party out of the debate. But I'll leave that issue for Uh, the listeners to decide. And once again, before we leave, I think it's almost time to wrap up. Remember, call 519-661-3600 to make your donation to CHRW or visit online at chrwradio.ca slash donate. And don't forget, Daylight Savings Time ends this weekend and we'll all get an extra hour to enjoy the weekend. And for those of you, and I've had this brought up before, who listen to the show live via CHRW's live stream of our broadcast, and who do not live in a zone where your clocks are turned back, be sure to tune in an hour earlier next week. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's it for this week. We'll join join us again next week when we'll continue our journey in the right direction. Until then, be right, stay right, do right, act right, think right. And be right back here. We'll see you. Fade into Color it to black and white Under the bad clothes Everything will be
3: alright Kelly, can I have a word with you?
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm just changing the lead to my bear story First I had it was too soft and then it was too hard and now I think it's just right <laughs> <laughs>